It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10, 5, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, your radio flagship home. For the Cowboys, joined as always by Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout and now co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 Through the Fan. And we are joined by the the award-winning training camp videographer, John Mashota, who covers the Dallas Cowboys for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at John Mashota. John, before we get into anything related to football, I do got to ask, like, where, where do you get that eye for shooting video? Or, or do you, are you anticipatory? Or are you just like going like, ah, I get a feeling the action's come this way? Because it always drives me insane that John is in the exact right spot. And I usually get a bad feeling when John's in one spot and the rest of us are somewhere else. It's like, oh, crap, he knows something we don't know. Well, I think the truth on that and my writing and everything involved is that uh, I'm not like your typical <laughs> like capital J journo. Like I didn't get into this business. I'm a sports fan. So a lot of the stuff I do, whether it's what I'm writing about or tweeting about or videos and stuff like that, I just tweet it from a perspective or write about it from a perspective of what a fan would, would like that what I would want to see or what I'd want to write about as a fan. And so in some spots though, I will say with the Cowboys, it's probably got me in a bad spot. Some of those training camp things, because I feel like over the years I haven't paid enough attention to the defense. Cause I'm like, what am I going to go over there and shoot Jeremy Mency doing this when I can get Daz Moss and some second string DB? Um, because I feel like, well, that's what I want to see as a fan, you know? So, uh, but the Cowboys, they're making it tough on me these last couple of years. You know, Dan Quinn and the boys are making it tough on me. I'm starting to have to go over to the other side of the field. So what you're saying is, is we, me, Brian, other people, we don't care about the fans when we watch defense. No, I think you do. It just, you guys, I think you guys are, hardcore football guys that want to talk about both sides of the ball. And I think I'm a little bit more attracted to whatever the shiny thing is at the time. <laughs> you know what? It, it's so funny. You say that John, it, you know, I think there's more people like you in the world than me and Bobby that just like sports and love being in sports. And 
you know, they'd have a great passion for it. And I know every year at training camp, it used to be like, you know, David Hellman was my teammate at DallasCowboys.com. And I always felt like David was always going to go follow David, follow David. And then it started where I was like, I got on David, like I was busting. I'm like, Hellman, why does Mishota's clips always look better than yours? And he's like, yeah, I noticed that, man. I, I noticed that about him. He's always – and so then what I've started to do is I just now automatically say, hey, if you want the best cowboy videos or pictures, follow John Rashoda, follow David Hellman. And it and it's funny, they they shoot like right behind each other on Twitter. And it's like you get two kind of great looks, but but John, don't sell yourself short. You do a great job of of covering the athletic. You do a, I mean, a tremendous job. Your questions I've always found really, really good in press conferences. You know, th- those are the things, you know, you talk about just being a fan, but in real life, though, you do a great, great job of of getting to the story and getting the opinions of those of those who who are part of the story. So I, I, I don't ever sell yourself short on that. I try not to, but I just am around. I mean, you know how it is with the Cowboys. You're you have some of the best of the best in the business yeah. co- that cover the Cowboys. So you always see other things that other people do and you, you know, you second guess yourself and man, maybe I need to be writing more like that. Yeah. Maybe I need to do this stuff, you know, but I have found that there is enough, there's a niche I feel like for everyone on this beat. So I don't know. I just try and just stay true to what I like to do, I guess. Okay. Well, let, let's start off this on the beat. Then when you're looking at it, are you surprised about the way that Cooper rush has played this year from what you saw in training camp, from what you've seen Cooper rush throughout your career, are you surprised that he's having the success that he is right now? Or are they just, or everything the Cowboys doing kind of just coming up uh, aces for him right now? So I knew a little bit about Cooper before he came to the Cowboys because being from Michigan, uh, my brother and his wife both went to central Michigan. So I've known a little bit about Cooper just from that, um, you know, them just being central Michigan football fans but I never thought that he would come to the Cowboys and be anything more than, you know, just a solid backup that he would come in if he needed to on a series here or there. I did not think he would win multiple games. I did not think he would win that game last year in Minnesota. That was the real eye opener for me. just because, you know, AT&T stadium, I'll put up against any stadium in sports. It's phenomenal. But I love in Minnesota how it's an open press box. So you really get to feel the right. sound and the crowd and that Sunday night game and just how crazy that building was. Because that's the thing, like Cowboys fans take for granted that well, I shouldn't say they take for granted, but they know that they're going to get a ton of primetime games. When you're the Minnesota Vikings, you're not getting those. And so to get that game and how well Minnesota came out of that game in, in, the, in the start and for Cooper to answer the way that he did there and some of the big throws, obviously the you know, the fade is to uh, Amari was, you know, on next level. But so I'm thinking, OK, he's pretty solid. But then you go into training camp and you just got the feeling that Will Greer was was closing in and that if it was just close, they're going to give it to Rush because they've already seen that he can win a game in a big moment against a good opponent on the road. Uh, but then, you know, Greer got that groin injury and he just wasn't able to kind of take it to the next level. With that being said, though, I mean. From everything Mike McCarthy's told us behind the scenes, like Will Greer has really picked things up. They feel really good about him, but I did not think Rush would come in here and win three in a row. There's just no way. With how bad that Tampa Bay made the Cowboys look in so many different areas, 
I thought when Dak went down, they'd be happy to get three wins if Dak missed the next six games, you know? So to win these next three in a row, I know the Washington, I'll be the first to tell you that Washington and New York are not great. They haven't been great for the majority of time. I've covered the Cowboys. I don't get a sense of a rivalry when I cover those games. Uh, but I do feel that way a hundred percent when it comes to the Eagles. So we'll see who's starting at quarterback when that happens. But from what Cooper Rush has done up to this point, yeah, no, I, not, there's no way you could have expected this. Cooper Rush didn't expect this. <laughs> I started chuckling when Brian asked the question. He's like, did you see this coming? Because I, I immediately had the flashback to training camp. And I know Brian and I have talked about it before. John, I don't know if uh, you saw it. You remember back in training camp on that one, screen, like seven on seven or something, and and Cooper Rush threw the ball away, and he threw it about 25 feet in the air and almost hit Jerry in his tower. That was the moment where I was like, this guy is never touching the football field again. He will never play in a regular season game again. And then here he is, three wins in a row. And, and how much do you think, how much credit does Cooper Rush get for this run, do you think? I mean, is this any similar, you think, if Will Greer wins the job, do you think we're still looking at three wins here? Or, or do you think Cooper Rush has made a difference? I don't think we're looking at three wins. I'll tell you, the, the thing that Will Greer, uh, he's he's – he's great for training camp and he'd be great in these games for fans because he's going to do a lot of stuff that wow you, but he also will give you that chance to, to turn the ball over. You know, I mean, Bobby, we've argued before, you know, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan and he, Matthew Stafford throws tons of balls that you're just like, Matthew, what are we doing here? But he also, cause he can make a lot of them. <laughs> no, definitely not. But we're going to see this Sunday. Um, but no, uh, I just think that Cooper, the thing is that you're not going to be able to see in training camp that you're not going to be able to see um, in preseason games is that, and what's impressed me the most is Ben, when the opponent has answered and taken the lead and the way he's responded to that, that's that, I mean, you could call him a game manager, say whatever you want. The way he has responded in those moments against other NFL teams, I don't, you know, question the opponents all you want. It's been impressive and he's done it multiple times. And so because of that, uh, I, I would say that for the three game winning streak they're on right now, I would give him 35% of the credit. Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff get another, I'll give them 15 to 20 and then 45 to 50 somewhere in there is that it, the rest of it is on the defense. Let me ask you this. So, okay. If you had to power rank the, the different position groups i mean not all of, i mean just saying okay offense defense special teams is it defense special teams and offense right now of how you would rank how they're winning football games right now it's clearly defense is so much ahead of everything else um i'm still going to give it the offense second the special teams i would i would put them obviously maher has been way way beyond what we thought i mean you could make the argument that first day of training camp the Cooper Rush aside, the two biggest surprises have been Maher and that how well Tyler Smith has played at left tackle. Sure. Two things that we when we we're landing in in California, we're not expecting those things to happen. Wow. So uh, Maher has, has totally shocked me. Um, but I would put def I mean, I would put special team second if Cavante Turpin would have had a touchdown return so far, and yeah. that hasn't happened. I do think he's going to get one, um, but because he hasn't, I still I'm going to put the offense second and and. For as good as there's been good things that they've done in the passing game, one of the best things they've done is just not turn the ball over. Yeah. They they ran the ball for two yards of carry and won a yeah. football game yesterday. <laughs> you know, I mean, that yeah. or, you know, that to me is amazing in itself. And we talk about special teams, when you had a twenty-two yard punt. 
from Brian Anger, and they get the ball in the 28, and they don't the, – the, the, the commanders don't score. I mean, is this defense, John – and, again, you're from up, you know, up in Michigan, though, but does this defense remind you of, like, you know, we've seen, like, the Ravens' old defense, the Bears' old defense – are we going down that path with this defense or do they just give up too many yards rushing here early to make you think that they're a dominant defense? Well, so comparing it to defenses that I watched, uh, you know, growing up in the Detroit area at the time, it does. I, there are some similarities I feel like with the Brian Urlacher bears defenses where you just knew even with Rex Grossman as quarterback, man, this team's going to win a lot of games and they're going to win games even in the postseason because the defense is that good. As long as Grossman doesn't make any huge mix- mistakes, obviously Devin Hester was a huge part of that and, and what he was able to do on special teams. But I just, I, I need to see it against good teams and big moments for me to put it in that, you know, Ravens or even some of those Buccaneers. Then certainly the Dan Quinn defenses in Seattle, you know, talking Dan Quinn was, we got, a, he was in media availability today and, he was asked about those, you know, when you know a defense is like really special. And he talked about there were just times in Seattle where you saw some wild moments from, he said specifically from Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas, where you just knew. He said he hasn't seen that yet from this defense, but you just feel like with the guys they have there. And then when you get a J. Ron Curse back, it has the chance to be very, very special. There, there's no question about that. You know, we, we've all been talking, Brian and I talked about this on the post game a little bit. I was talking about it on, on Sean and RJ, the morning show on 105 through the fan. Um, even though the, 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 you know, turnovers, <clears throat> Trayvon Diggs hasn't been the, the big ball hawk so far this year that he was early last season. But I think like, like he is a discernibly better football player, I think through four weeks of the season, I, I, I look at Trayvon Diggs and it's like, okay, we're, we're seeing growth in, in, you know, making plays in space and just, you know, playing coverage, not necessarily just always going for the ball. To me, I, I think we're seeing Trayvon Diggs really elevate himself up to, like, this is a legit potential shutdown corner. Absolutely. The only weakness I see in Trayvon Diggs's game is that a really good team with a perimeter run game can run some stuff at him because yep. he's not going to be a guy that's going to sell out to make the big tackles. You know, and, you know, when you say things like that, and especially you're covering the Cowboys, people are going to talk about Deion Sanders. That's the only area of his game where you're like, yeah, that's probably not on, a, on an elite level, but everything else tracking the ball. I mean, you watch how that whole play went down right before half. And you if 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 everybody was wearing the same jersey on both teams, you would have thought that Carson Wentz was throwing a deep ball to Trayvon Diggs, the way he tracked it in the air. And, and here's here's the other thing. You know, we go back to I mentioned the Stafford throwing picks earlier and things like that. And obviously, Car- I mean, Cooper uh, Rush had a couple of balls that could have been intercepted on Sunday. But a lot of these balls don't get picked off because most DBs can't catch and Trayvon Diggs catches on an offensive level. And so there's just so few guys that can do that. And then with his athleticism on top of it, yeah, it's there's, I mean, there isn't a Sunday, Monday, whatever, when they're playing that I don't think to myself, I can't believe this guy fell to the second round. Will we ever get the package? I want, will we ever see a package that has Micah Parsons in the backfield and Trayvon Diggs at receiver? Even if it's like a, even if it's just like to screw with the defense, because I think that would be, I think everybody would be pumped for that. When Kellen Moore was asked today about, you know, how he's been working different, like Farniak and guys at fullback, he was asked, "Is it, who's been who's been bugging you the most to, uh, you know, maybe get a snap or whatever?" And he's like, "Micah, Micah wants to get in, but he wants a handoff. He doesn't want to block for anybody. He wants the ball. He obviously was a running back. He was a running back, uh, yeah, in high school. So it, it makes sense there." Um, 
but I just I still think that Trayvon in a, in a wide receiver position for a couple of plays makes makes the most sense. You know, um, it would be fun to see either one of those two because they're certainly athletically gifted enough to make a, a play that would would certainly be a highlight for whatever game or, and for the NFL that week. But I would like to see Trayvon at receiver probably a little bit more. John, I, I've I've been on record calling Mike McCarthy lazy at times disinterested. Uh, you know, I feel like that I owe him an apology, at least since this injury to Dak Prescott. I feel like that he has taken more of a, okay, if I'm going to lose my job because this backup quarterback or this offensive coordinator doesn't help me along, that then I need to take more ownership. Is this one of those times where am I right about that? Because I did. I admit it. I've called him lazy, disinterested, absentee, whatever you want to call him about a head coach. I've called him that. and But I, I feel like I owe him a, an apology because he has – I feel like he stepped up and been a better coach when it comes to managing his coaching staff and though managing the team through this Dak Prescott injury. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's just sports in general where, you know, aside from like the goats, like a LeBron James or a Michael Jordan, where you're not going to really find any faults with someone like Mike McCarthy, a lot of things that the criticism that he took, especially early on 2020 was not a great coaching job. To me, the worst decision he's made as Cowboys head coach was hiring Mike Nolan at his DC. I think that was a huge mistake. Um, And then there's obviously been the game management issues. So just because those can be true and he can still be doing a good job today. You know, it doesn't have to be, Oh, I was wrong on this. And this is really, I mean, there are reasons why he had criticism before. I just believe that when someone does something the right way, then they deserve credit for it. And he certainly deserves it right now because of the fact that he was able to keep this, you know, right the ship. Like Jerry said yesterday, he was able to uh, keep things headed in the right direction where let's be honest, whether Dak gets hurt or not, just coming out of week one, did not look like a very good football team. Now you get Gallup back. And I also think week one, part of that is some rust from not playing most of your starters in the preseason. That's just going to be natural. And I completely agree with him not playing them in the preseason 17 game season. I'm not wasting guys getting hurt. Seeing Neville Gallimore get hurt last year in the preseason. Like me, like Clarence loves to say this line and, and I love it too. And I, and I know he did. It's not his line to get it from somebody else, but for who, for what, why, or what are we doing here? Makes no sense. So I love his idea on that. And I love the way he is very cautious with injured players. Doesn't try to bring them back too soon, uh, which obviously factors into this week with the idea that some believe that Dak could come back. Uh, and, and, and just his track record doesn't say that that would probably happen. So, yeah. Hey, I, I don't think that you're completely wrong, Brian. There's certainly things he, he has not been, an outstanding coach the entire time he's been here, but what he's been doing lately, he deserves a lot of credit for it. I think you have to be fair. I think you have to be fair about, you know, how he's taken the approach and you're absolutely right. Because if you talk to people within the organization about how he treats the players and the medical stuff, they will tell you to a man, to a lady there that he has done a great job of managing the team. And when it comes to injuries, and not trying to push the envelope like we've seen coaches in the past do to get hurt guys back quicker than they're than they're ready for. You know what he reminds me a lot of. I I, I tell my brother this a lot because he used to be in college basketball coaching. 
He reminds me a lot of what Duke and Kentucky have done where they've become these player first programs. And that's why that Duke and Kentucky get all the one and done guys. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy would do a great job as a recruiter because I think there's a lot of people that would want to play for him because he is a player's first coach and, uh, and he takes care of his guys. So yeah, there's no question that, that that's, that's a value that not every coach is going to be like that. Well, uh, before we, we let you go, John, I, I'm going to see, have to see if Brian knows the answer. Brian, you know where where the you know who's the origin of the for who for what quote, don't you? I bet you do. No, I don't. Oh, Ricky Waters, nineteen ninety five in Philadelphia. Oh, that is, you're right. It's it is Philadelphia. It, is. it was okay. a Ricky Waters quote in a press conference where they asked him why he didn't make a tackle or and something. Tackle. For who? See, for what? Yes. I was in Philly. I was in Philly in ninety eight, so I got a little bit of Ricky and they Charlie Gar- Charlie Garner. I mean. You talk about some crazy dudes on a football team. We were doing a lot of that, but yeah. For who Honestly, that quote, that one, and then uh, T.O. saying, I love me some me are probably two of my favorite sports quotes. Love them. Chef's best. John Machota from The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at John Machota. John, we appreciate you, man. Hey, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Brian, we were at the stadium on Sunday watching the Cowboys uh, victorious over the Washington Commanders, Washington football team, uh, Washington Nationals, whatever you want to call them these days. Capitals. Uh, Yeah, Capitals, the Senators, uh, Dallas victorious over Washington. Maybe just easier to say it like that. 25 to 10, uh, a, a great victory for the Cowboys once again. Andy Dalton now. Or Andy Dalton, my gosh, Cooper Rush, three in a row, mixing up the, the wrong redheaded quarterback, but three in a row, and uh, the Cowboys get set to take on the Rams next week. Before we move on to the Rams, we're going to do a little bit of a dive into the film room on the Commanders game and, and what we saw there, but before we do that, I got to tell you, I'm excited because tomorrow's Tuesday, and Tuesday means half-price bone-in wings at Boomer Jacks. Boomer Jacks is the spot for whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for a place to watch the game, it's Boomer Jacks. If you're looking for a place to have a nice family dinner, Boomer Jacks. If you're looking for a place to have happy hour with coworkers, Boomer Jacks. Boomer Jacks is the answer to all of it. And right now they have great wing specials. Tuesday, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesday, it's half-price boneless wings. So whatever your fancy is, they got the fix for you. And I'm telling you, the absolute coldest beer you will find anywhere is at Boomer Jacks. And uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback on, on, on social media. Brian, I had somebody tweet me yesterday while I was at the game saying, are you, are you around the Boomer Jacks in Arlington? So we've had a lot of people just, you know, flooding Boomer Jacks lately and having a great time and giving us a lot of good feedback. There are 17 DFW locations, so I'm sure there's one near you if you're in the Dallas area. You can find your location by going to boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, let's take a look at this. 
film. I, I had a chance to watch the game back this afternoon. I know you got a chance to watch it earlier this morning. I guess let, let's start with with some things that need fixing because I think everybody knows what this team is doing well right now. The defense is great. Um, so how about we start with some things that need fixing or things that weren't quite as good as they have been in recent weeks. Running game really struggled uh, in this game and, and had some trouble. Um, you know, Connor McGovern was given all he could handle from Jonathan Allen. Uh, Jason Peters, when he got in there for his snaps, didn't always look great. I, Zach Martin didn't always look great, to be honest, which is a rarity. Um, but overall, your, your takeaways from what you saw in the running game, is that just an anomaly what we saw yesterday? Is that just the fact of going up against such a, a talented front like Washington has? Or do you have any type of concerns coming out of the game for the long-term future? Yeah, this was the first time really since, and they ran the ball okay. I don't think they ran it enough uh, against Tampa Bay to make a difference there. But you're talking about similar type of front. And when I mean that, the defensive tackles, uh, you know, the the Montez Sweat, Yep. They, they really – they did a great job. Holcomb, the linebacker, they, they've got some guys that will get to the football. The, you know, But it really starts up there with, with Payne and Allen, those two defensive tackles. And, you know, everybody took a turn of having a bad rep. Uh, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't great uh, for, uh, you know, for McGovern. He, he looked like he was – like he hadn't played all year. Russ um, yeah, he looked at, he looked just rusty. He just didn't move, didn't play with power. You know, he, he, uh, Biotish had his problems you know, when he was matched up. Uh, Zach Martin, you mentioned, it wasn't a great game for Jason Peters. Jason Peters looked like a 40-year-old man playing football yeah. yesterday. And then, you know, even, uh, you know, the tackles. I, I will say this for Tyler Smith, it wasn't a clean game for him. Uh, you know, you, you steal on the right tackle. There were a couple of times where guys ran around him. And I mean, he's in position to make the cutoff block, but there was so muddy for the backs that they couldn't hit the hole. So when you get guys playing backside or running around back door and then making plays, that tells you how what the struggle is. And there weren't very many clean. I mean, there was one series of touchdown drive they had where they had you know, seven yards, six yards, seven yards, eight yards. They had those types of runs, yeah. but man, they just could not get anything going. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's where Dallas is going to have to continue to find ways. They, they, I was happy that they were committed to running it. And even when it wasn't going great, they were still committed to running it. So you have to, you know, give them some credit for that. But, man, that was a rough, rough time trying to even, you know, this is the old saying, they were fighting for inches in this game because, you know, the commanders just weren't letting them get into that game. I don't know about you. Watching the game back, I felt confident. Through four games, that's the worst game we've seen from Tyler Smith and Zach Martin this year. Yeah, I I, I, I do too. I, You know, and it was uh, – Tyler was – you know, he when Tyler gets in trouble, he gets a little off balance. He gets a little leany. Uh, you know, he gets over the tops of his feet. You know, he just, you know, there was there was times where he just wasn't as good as he needed to be. And it's correct know, stuff, though. I think. Well, I think. It's all, yeah, I mean, it, I, I it, think it, it's not a mismatch of like when you have an issue with Terrence Steele blocking, for instance. Yeah. That's it's like I don't know how to make Terrence Steele stronger, like yeah. like he is. Like I don't know how to make this player like 
play with any more powers with Tyler Smith at least, and not that you were saying otherwise. I think with Tyler Smith, you can take encouragement that this is all fixable stuff that you're seeing. You know, the whole, I mean, the question they now have to ask themselves is, is McGovern the way they're going to go at left guard the re- you know the rest of the way and does Jason Peters just become a does Jason Peters just become a backup you know yeah. with with Farniak being the fullback backup guard and center kind of a player but um, you know it, it wasn't man it just wasn't pretty up front and you know pass protection wise you know when they hit some plays or made some plays or they took the deep shots it was max protection stuff it was keeping in. You know, it was keeping in, uh, you know, tight ends, keeping in backs, keeping everybody in to take the shot to make sure they had the thing protected up. You know, and Cooper Rush, I, I thought he threw off his back foot more in this game than he had in the past because there was there was some legitimate pressure there. There was some legitimate, you know, guys, you know, him having to deal with things in the pocket. And I thought one of the funniest things is there was a pass to Noah Brown in the middle of the field. And uh, <laughs> it was funny. Farniak runs a route, and Ferguson stayed in the block. So <laughs> Farniak was the fullback. He goes and runs through the line and kind of runs like a little hook. And then behind him is Noah Brown, and Noah Brown's the one catching the ball. But then you got Ferguson staying in, blocking the defensive end. Yeah. So here you have the the guard fullback running a route, the tight end who usually goes out and stand in and blocking. So that's sometimes how the schemes work for the Cowboys, especially here trying to protect Cooper Rush. I'll tell you what, one of the things that I came out of the game thinking initially, and I felt like it was confirmed on tape, uh, that's maybe Donovan Wilson at his peak, what we saw the other day. And I, I think that this just goes to show that whether it's, you know, you, you can go through the history here, whether it's Cam Chancellor, um, you know, uh, Keon O'Neal, J. Ron Curse, and now Donovan Wilson. Dan Quinn knows how to make safety successful in the box. He knows how to take a safety with limited coverage ability, who Donovan Wilson actually made a play in coverage on the deep third. Nice play. Yeah. Um, lucky, prob- probably lucky he wasn't flagged. Even well, he was good. He was good coverage. He was oh. good. Ooh, I, I felt like at least with that crew, I'm surprised it was not the. Oh, no, it could have been with this crew. It could have been definitely pass interference. But the, play, I, I, the, the play you're talking about, they're playing four across at the sticks, playing four across, and then the guy who's nearer is going to be Anthony Brown, and Brown just lets McLaurin run. Oh, and all of a sudden you see Wilson's like, I've got deep, you know, I got deep third, and he just takes off running, yeah. and you know he gets himself in position, but. Really nice job by Donovan Wilson playing not only as a down player, but then showing the range on the back end. There were some questions about him. I, I was listening to you this morning when you were on your morning hit with Sean and RJ, yeah. and you were talking about this. You were talking about him and you know Dan Quinn and how he understands safety play. And it's going to be a, a, a good problem for the Cowboys to have with – both Wilson and then Curse when he gets back uh, to be ready to go. I can see both those guys playing on the field at the same time. You yeah. know, you know, you want to play dime packer, you want to put the linebackers Curse or Wilson, you can interchange them. I personally put Wilson on the back end if he continues to make plays like he does and leave Curse down there in that box. But you can interchange those two guys and I think be just fine. 
just a random offshoot here. Me th- sitting here thinking about how well Dan Quinn has done with like limited coverage safeties, like we mentioned. Chance. Oh, Keanu Neal, you talked about this morning. All those guys. Yeah. It makes me wonder what would it have been like had Dan Quinn been able to do something with Roy Williams back in the day. I, I would have loved to have seen an old school Roy Williams played in this defense. He would have he would have wrecked shop here. Uh, I got to tell you, we also saw another success story there in the secondary. Jordan Lewis tweaks the groin before uh, the game. It ends up being Duran Bland, and they don't kick Anthony Brown inside. It's it's not a, a factor of well, let's have AB go inside, and then you know Duran Bland or Kelvin Joseph can play outside. They gave a lot of trust to Duran Bland. And at least I thought I thought he played really well, held his own. There were a couple times where, you know, it wasn't perfect. But overall, I think played really well and really came up with some big plays down the stretch. The interception, the uh, basically suffocating Curtis Samuel there in the end zone, not letting him come down with the ball for what would have been a big touchdown and, and extended the game. But I thought Deron Bland looked really, really good. Oh, yeah, Deron Bland. And, you know, this was something, Bobby, that you and I saw with our own eyes when we were in Oxnard. You know, he was getting a lot of work. He played a ton of nickel in those games, those three preseason games. And so, you know, it had been interesting to if they would have – the question was asked, I believe, Mike McCarthy about Bland, if they would have gone – if they would have been an outside guy that got hurt, you would have probably seen Joseph. But the fact that it was an inside guy being Lewis – that gave the coaches the idea the, or the green light to say, okay, we're not going to put Joseph and kick uh, Brown inside. We're just going to go ahead and leave everybody on where they're going to be and then put Bland in there. That just shows you how much confidence they had in the kid uh, to, to go out there. I mean, he after the game, it was interesting. Uh, you know, he was asked, you know, when did you know you were going to start? And he said right before the game. So yeah. I, I guarantee you he did not get a lot of reps he did not get a lot of reps to practice. They really didn't have a lot of practice time coming off a short week, but he went out there, played with great intelligence, maybe a little hesitant early in this football game, but on that interception at his own coverage, he drove on the ball, undercut the route, and did a great job of getting uh, getting that one finished. You know, one issue that I had coming out of the game, which you don't want to nitpick, but when you are looking about, okay, what's not sustainable about what they're doing right now? Uh, what do you what do you need to clean up in order to make sure that you continue on this run? One thing I saw, Brian, uh, during the game, and then also looking back when I was I was combing through the box score and everything else, this team's got an issue with sustaining drives. They had 13 drives, five of them were three and outs. There were a couple others that were four or five plays. Maybe they'd make a big play and then immediately fizzle. Um, this is out, three out of five games or three out of four games now. They've lost time of possession by five minutes or more. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like at least that aspect of it, we, we got to see them sustain these drives a little bit better. It can't just be big play and then, oh, it fizzles. And and I, I wonder if that'll just be a function of once Dak Prescott's back, they'll be able to sustain those. Well, you, you hope so. But I, I remember because the start of the second half, uh, the commanders have to punt to start the second half, which is, yep. you know, they get they get a, they get a, a third 11 and. They get a great, you get a great tackle. You know, uh, you get a, the ball goes to Dotson and you get a tackle in space by Wilson to make them punt. Dallas gets the ball, and I wrote terrible series on the top of my notes. You know, they hand the ball to Pollard for minus six. Oh, yeah. They they run empty formation, get defensive holding, which means an automatic first down. So it's second and 16 or first down. 
They go Pollard for minus two. They go they go rush to Pollard on an in, incomplete screen. So it's it's second and twelve. They try a delay screen again with with Schultz that ends up incomplete. So you know it's third and twelve, and then they get a fifty-eight yard punt. And I just remember that series looks so preseason to me. Yeah. So guys not blocking, backs not running, screens looking like garbage, like they hadn't worked on them all year. You know, th- they're capable of a terrible series along the way. You know, they're capable of that. But for the most part, though, Cooper Rush has done a pretty good job of, you know, like John mentioned, John Bashota, who was on with us earlier, when you mentioned that, like, they get ahead, like the opponent get ahead, gets ahead, and then what happens? Cooper Rush brings them back. They get a drive. They come back. They get points and that. So, you know, he's been able to rally that way. But, man, they do have some series where it looks like you want to cover your eyes uh, on that offense. How big is it, just as we wrap up this segment here, how big is it you think that this defense has looked as good as it is with the fact that Dallas is getting their ass kicked on time of possession in three out of these four games that, that it's not just the defense showing up, but it's the defense showing up and, and having to play a lot of snaps. When you have your Pro Bowl punter punt it, like I said, when he punts it 22 yards and it ends up on the 20, your own 28-yard line and you're going, okay, well, here we go. Let's see if they can hold. And they hold, they, you know, they get you know, the four downs, get off the field. That just kind of shows you where this defense is at. I mean, it really – the difference in that game yesterday, to be all honest with everybody that watches us, were the commander's penalties. Those penalties, that was the hidden yards in this game. Those were the yards that Dallas didn't get in the running game. You know, yeah. with you know, 38-yard pass interference penalties and, you know, illegal contact penalties and stuff like that. I mean, those – that – the commanders, in my opinion, they got after Carson Wentz. I mean, they did a great job. I'll say another thing real quick, too, Bobby. Keep an eye on going forward, though. Teams are going to try and cut. Uh, they're going to try and cut Parsons on the yeah. edge. He's yeah. going to, whether it's screens, him rushing up the field, people are going to go after his knees. And I say that in a way because when the commanders were doing that, he has to put his hands down to protect himself, and he stops, and then the ball's out. So if he's protecting himself, they're keeping him from rushing up the field. I'm not saying it's going to be every single pass play, but the commanders kind of gave people an idea. If you want to stop Parsons rushing on the edge, cut block him and make him because he will protect his knees, and I don't blame him. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we jump into our favorite segment of the show, our listener mailbag, I want to quickly remind you that this podcast is sponsored by Boomer Jacks. We are so grateful to have Boomer Jacks as our partners. It is the spot for whatever type of outing you're looking for, whether it's just somewhere to watch the game. Somewhere to get drinks with coworkers, somewhere to hang out with family. Boomer Jacks is the perfect spot. Wall to wall TVs, the best TVs in the Metroplex, live music. They've got every game you can imagine up there on those televisions. And they've got great deals on wings right now. Tuesdays, it's half price traditional wings. So if you're listening to this right now when we release this podcast here on Tuesday, go get Boomer Jacks tonight. Go get you some half price traditional wings. And if boneless wings are your things, just wait till Wednesday. Go on Wednesday, get half price. 
boneless wings and get yourself some of the coldest beer you will ever find at Boomer Jacks. 17 DFW locations. You can find yours at boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, we're going to jump into our listener mailbag now. And first question here from Astute Fanatic, one of our loyal listeners. And I think this is a good one. Is next year starting running back on the roster right now? I would say no. You don't. You don't think Dowdle or Davis? It's funny. I I say no, and then I think about how much they love Ezekiel Elliott. You know, oh, there's no way, is there? Yeah, I it's a I, lot of money for a guy who's averaging like 50 yards a game. Yeah, I, I there's a lot of love there. So my 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 personnel guy thing would would be no. My what I think they're going to do is yes, they're probably going to keep. They, there's a lot of love for Zeke. There's a lot of love over there for Zeke, and so I dance the question. If you say my personal view, no, their view, yes. So I should answer it in their view, and that would be yes. That should, I, that's that's what I think is going to happen. I, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of Ezekiel Elliott. I don't. Oh my gosh, we may need a. Uh, I don't know. We may need a bet on that, and that's just out of me hoping there can't be any way they carry a fifteen million dollar back who's getting you fifty yards. Again. I would hope not. And also, by the way, I think it needs to be pointed out. I don't know if you agree with this, Brian, but this is how I feel. Last year and a half, not not an elite pass protector anymore. I don't think. No, I, I, I don't think he, he, was- he stepped up though. There was time he stepped up and did the best he could. I mean, there's right. yeah. He's, he's not the same blitz pickup that he used to be. Uh, next question here from Jason Tim. And this is a little bit looking a little bit further ahead. And so, you know, we're going to skip the Rams game and go straight to a question about the Eagles from Jason. But he wants to know who's most likely to be the spy on Hertz in two weeks. Is it Parsons a little? He has the speed, but I guess that takes away his pass rush, a third safety. Uh, they didn't use Parsons really to spy Hertz last year. Um, I kind of wonder, Brian, I don't know about you, with J. Ron Curse hopefully back healthy there and knowing that he is the most reliable tackler on this football team, is J. Ron Curse your best bet to spy Hurts in a game? Um I think I think I would consider putting I think I would consider putting Wilson in that spot is who I would I think I would if you're talking about to me, you got to get somebody that's a good reactionary player, and you got to get somebody that is a somebody that is like I say. I'm not taking Parsons away from Russian. I think that's important. Wilson tackles really well in open field, and he better than handles. Curse. What's that? Better than Curse. I think that I would. I, I think I think Wilson is a quicker player than Curse. Because okay. you're going to have to keep – you might have to keep Curse on their tight end yeah. you know, with Goddard. So I the matchups here, I think if I'm keeping somebody, I think I'm using Wilson there. Do you feel like Dallas's defense – and obviously we'll, we'll get into this more when it's actually Philly week, but do you think right now Dallas's defense matches up well personnel-wise with the challenges Philly is going to present? You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of Philadelphia. I know I'm just kind of seeing scores and stuff. I'm usually doing pregame shows or sure. something's but going knowing on. Who, knowing who Jalen Hurts is. and Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I've seen – you know, I've followed up people on Twitter to kind of understand what they're doing offensively. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you match up, I mean, yeah, you got to – the thing about it is we have to see 
how this Philly offensive line handles speed. You know, how do they handle in quickness? How they handle in the edges? You know, it looks like to me watching them against Jacksonville, they're pulling centers, they're pulling guards. These are problems that the Cowboys had. Yeah. You know, that edge running game was a problem for the Cowboys. So do they match up well defensively? Sure. But man, do they you're gonna be able to match up with the power and stuff that the, the Eagles run the ball with? That's gonna be the, the real question. A couple questions in defending the run for you here since we're already on that topic. Uh, Mike D is asking the question, is Micah Parsons underperforming in the run game? It seems that his edge always gets gashed for a big run. I know you talked about the cut block and having to protect himself there. Uh, How do you feel about how Micah Parsons has performed uh, against the run this season? Well, what they've done is like the couple times that they've run at him, the, the stuff with the cut blocks and things like that, that's that's clear. They're, they're going to make him, you know, they're going to make him have to, like, try and slow up, slow him down and all those things. I, I think overall, you know, when you look at the edge defense, where the problems has been, in my opinion, in watching the All-22, is that you get an end that gets hooked or turned – you get a blocker on or receiver on digs and he gets widened because he's not really interested in taking that on. Now he'll tackle when he has to in space, like he did in the Cincinnati game, but he's not interested in forcing that run. And then what happens to you then is Van Der Esch is, was like, and I think it was like he was holding on gaps, like, Okay, tackle is responsible for the A. Van Der Esch is responsible for the B. Safety was responsible for the C. And anything outside was Diggs and those guys trying to turn it back in. Well, Van Der Esch is holding, 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 and then it makes him late because there's such a wide corner because Diggs is getting pushed. Now there's no, there's no squeezing the ball to him because yeah. the ball is outside. So here's Vanderesh trying to play the B and get all the way to the C, you know. I mean, Which are, for those listening who don't understand, those are the gaps that Brian saw. Yeah, about. the gaps. gaps. A gap, B gap, C gap. And they're all fits. Everybody has to fit in a gap. And they did a better job. If you, if you watch the All-22, watch the first play of the second half and watch all three, the end, the linebacker, and the safety all be in the spot where they have to be. And some of it you're thinking, well, Vanderish has got to come running from the middle. They've had problems with Vanderish is trying to play his responsibility and then get all the way outside. They've had the bar has been blocked several times. Yeah. You know, he's got to be better. Yeah. So that's your problem. If you get a chance, if you get the all 22, watch the first play of the second half. That's how you're supposed to play run defense. Next question here, uh, and, and obviously this is a, a, a thing that will be debated a lot. I think it's been debated a lot on, on Twitter uh, in the aftermath of the game in the last couple weeks when Donovan Wilson's been really good. Uh, George Murphy is asking, how do the Cowboys handle on-the-field time with Curse and Wilson? A lot of times last year and this year, Dan Quinn will play with three safeties on the field. Yeah, There, there were a lot of times last year where you'd have – Casey Wilson and curse on the field at the same time or hooker Wilson and curse 
And so I don't know how much that changes. Even with Curse being out, McQuamu got some run yesterday. McQuamu got yeah. some playtime out there with Curse and or, or with uh, Wilson and Hooker together. Um, so Brian, do you see it generally playing out that way, or, or do you think last year's rotation saw more Curse obviously than Wilson? Do you think those roles have flipped at all, or is Curse still Dan Quinn's guy? I think Curse is still Dan Quinn's guy, but to me, now I'm. Now I'm in that mode where I'm thinking about playing Wilson just down. And then, you know, or, man, I keep saying that. But you could also play him. You could play Curse down and play Wilson back, you know, yeah. and then play with Hooker. And, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things. It's pulling a linebacker off the field. And who do you want to pull off the field? Bar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, bar. To yeah. me, to me – I'm taking Barr off the field. I'm putting Curse down, and and then I'm playing uh, I'm playing Wilson back with Hooker, and you can almost play you know you can almost play Wilson down with him too. You can play him like in a you know just behind the linebackers or over shaded one way or another, or you can put him on a tight end. You know, so I. I'm getting. I'm trying my best to get Curse and Wilson on the field at the same time. Is what I'm doing. Uh, you know, mentioning Bar there and, and kind of jumping back to earlier when we were talking about Parsons. This is just something I'm kicking around in my head. Maybe this is a bad idea as a way to kind of counteract all all the cut blocking that they've been doing. And when you know Parsons is in a a pass rush look, would you consider flipping Bar and Parsons' roles as a changeup potentially next game? let Barr do more of the pass rushing and let Parsons play a traditional linebacker? You know what? I no, because I've, I've seen what Parsons can do. I, I mean, I, well then what's What's the response to the cut blocks then? Do you think? I don't know. He's just going to have, it's going to have to deal with that. It's just, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be something that slows him down. I mean, there, that's, that's their. That's what they're going to do. Is they're just going to try and slow him down, and the cut blocking is. That's the way it's going to be. I don't have a great answer to that. When he rushes, is he going to jump over guys and make highlight plays? Maybe so. But set, set, cut. Set, set, set. Set, cut. Set, set, set. You know he's going to get that kind of. Yeah. You know, every time he rushes, you're going to see tackles. Tackles don't like to cut block, uh, but if, if they know it's going to slow a guy down, then they'll throw on you. They will throw on those guys to make sure it slows them down. That does it for us here on the Love of the Star podcast. We'll be back with you guys two more times this week, looking ahead to the Los Angeles Rams and that matchup. And, uh, of course, we'll be on Grip Watch with Dak Prescott out of practice. We'll have full reports from that. Uh, until later this week, we'll talk to you guys later.